Hello and welcome to another episode of the Fins Up podcast, the third one for a week and a record for us. I am Mortz and I'm joined by a different guest tonight. I've booted Southo Dan from the podcast and I've brought on a good friend of mine and a good friend of the podcast, Brett Sykes. How are you doing, Brett? I'm good, mate. How are you? Kicking along as we can in isolation, mate. What about yourself? Yeah, yeah. Doing my best to, uh, you know keep on top of things and, and try and stay fit and um, and keep in touch with people, but all in all, pretty good. Right, so you've just mentioned something there, fitness in isolation. Uh, how are you staying motivated to do that? Because I can, I went for a walk yesterday and that was enough for me for about three months. Yeah, look, I was struggling to begin with. I think I was um, drinking uh, a fair bit more than usual, which is a good effort for me. Yes. Um, but uh, in the last couple of weeks, uh, a mate of mine, Jono, um, and I have been sort of um, getting up um, 6.15, getting down to, you know, Green Hills and, and just doing a bit of, you know, sand walks. We even tried to do the dunes one day, but that killed us. Um, and so we've just maintained that over the last couple of weeks. And um, doing exercise first thing in the morning has been really good because I think it puts you in a a better headspace for the day. So, yeah, um, I, yeah. I, I did the uh, I did the walk from Menai to Sutherland and back, and uh, my hamstring is still on fire. Um, you mentioned Jono. Is that is that British Jono, the Man United fan? Yes, it is, mate. Is, yes, is he back? Is. He's back in the yeah. He's back in the country, and he's uh, he's trying to survive ISO. He's um, he's not working at the moment, which is tough. But um, he's using fitness as well as a good distraction from everything going on. So. It's not a half yeah, decent distraction. Like heaps of people from my work have got this Zoom thing, and they get up at seven o'clock every morning to to do some workouts. But bed's just so warm. Like, yeah, look, it is challenging. I think the only good thing is um, Sydney's been putting on some cracker days lately, and so getting up and seeing the sun the sunrise um, has been um, pretty decent motivation. So. Um, as long as we keep having some of these um, nice days and uh, the cold weather doesn't set in, then I should be able to stick to it. So we'll see how we go. Are you going to go if it's raining tomorrow morning? Well, yeah, that's a challenge. So I don't know. I do have a backup. But I've got a uh, the Nike Fitness app on my phone that I can cast onto the TV and do a bit of an in-house workout. But it's not my preference, but it is a backup for um, if the weather's no good. Yeah, look, we're we're moving, right? And I um I did the rookie mistake. I sold my weights bench before this pandemic. Uh, oh, went in. I sold it for like twenty bucks, and the same one online secondhand is now two hundred and forty dollars. So absolute rookie mistake by myself there. Um, poor form, poor form. <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, um, how have you, I, I, how have you found working from home? Has that been a challenge for you? Uh, look, prior to all this, I was working from home sort of one day a week anyway, so um, it's been a challenge, no doubt, but um, probably not as big a challenge as maybe other people have found it. Um, I think you just got to look at the positives, so I think working from home allows you to have a little bit better work-life balance, so you you pick up those couple of hours that you might have been commuting every day, yeah. um, and uh, yeah, and I've been able to put that into, you know, spending a little bit more time on my personal fitness, which has been a positive. So, um, yeah, I think if you like anything in life, you look at the positives then, is this, um, you're going to be all right with it. Your, your fitness regime, is this because I said I was cutting you from our basketball team last night? Are you just trying to let me know that you're staying fit? Yeah, well, that, that's that's part of it. Um, I was already on that kick already. I think it was just more that, you know, first few weeks of 
you know, isolation, I really went hard on the, the snacking during the day, the beers, and stepped on the scales, and it wasn't looking too pretty. So uh, it sort of kicked me into gear. And then you saying that I might be off the team, then that uh, that cut deep. So I've lifted lifted it again this week. Yeah, right. Yeah, I've uh, look. I haven't stepped on the scales, but I know if I did, it would be going north at a rapid rate. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I mean, it didn't help that you guys bought me a five hundred gram chocolate Easter egg that I decided I had to eat in one sitting and see if I could throw up or not. Um, Mate, it was better in your house than mine. Yeah, <laughs> cheers. And and all the Easter eggs that you bought, Harper and Paige as well, they went down a treat. Um, my my drinking hasn't been. So bad. Um, it's probably uh, most of the bottle shops around Menai have have closed down or have shut down early. So I haven't been too bad on that. But it's more Uber Eats and snacking that's killing me at the moment. Yeah, hear you there. I hear you there. What else, have you have you found any unusual hobbies um, that, since since isolation? Have you have you like started doing jigsaw puzzles or have you found some apps or what else is keeping you busy? Yeah, look, I think, um, yeah, we're moving house as well, so doing a bit of packing has kept us pretty busy. But um, as far as hobbies go, I've actually got back into um, – I used to, as a kid, uh, collect a lot of uh, NBA trading cards. Okay. Um, which I'm sure a lot of us did, you know, back in the the 90s and early 2000s. So um, I sort of pulled those out and got back into it and uh, started an Instagram page to um, – I don't know, just – yeah, share some of my experiences and, and uh, the memories from collecting trading cards. And, um, you know, a lot of people are sort of getting back into the NBA now mm. um, with the, the Last Dance documentary that's been on Netflix. So um, got a pretty good response on the page so far. And, and it's just, yeah, something to um, to do a bit different than, than what I normally would. Now, you are absolutely basketball mad. How have you found The Last Dance? Have you watched all eight episodes that I sent you, or are you just watching them as they come out? Just watching them as they come out. So I just wanted to, to space it out and, and savour it, I guess. I'm, I'm three episodes in at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely loving it. Um, I guess the main, like, I'm familiar with a lot of the stories, Um you know, as a kid, I was all over all the NBA videos like Michael Jordan's Playground, Come Fly With Me, you know, Unstoppables, you know, all those ones, Barkley Magic, all those ones. So really loved it. And it's in a very similar format to what those um, videos were like back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm loving it. Um, really liking the fact that they've got all the key people to actually talk to. Sometimes on these documentaries, they don't have everybody but the fact that they you know they've got everyone from you know obama on there all the way through to you know the key players on the team and phil jackson and um, jerry reinstorf the owner so um loving that and also loving the fact that you know some of the really um the media people that have followed for a number of years around the nba like michael wilborn is on there as well so um, I think, yeah, it's just it's it's really well done, and it's um, certainly captivating. And looking forward to uh, watching the rest of it. But um, yeah, trying to space it out, make it last. So, episode three is that where they introduced Dennis Rodman? Yeah, that's the Dennis Rodman one. So that was that's a it's a great episode, and also talks to you know um, Jordan trying to overcome the Bad Boy Pistons, which yeah um, was right around the time that I, as a kid, got into 
NBA. Um, so it's um, yeah, it's it's certainly good to watch that and, and, and brings back some good memories. Yeah, ep- episode three and half of episode. I won't give away too many spoilers. And half of episode four was it's about Dennis Rodman and his personality and his trip to Vegas. So that's um, man, I, I just sat there in tears when he told Phil Jackson and Jordan mid season that. He needed a vacation, not to the beach, but to go and gamble in, in Vegas. That just uh, ruined me. Yeah. <laughs> classic Dennis. Classic Dennis, I think. Um, yeah, and it's good, like, I think, just from the, um, you know, the, the bad boy Pistons era. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's certainly an era of basketball that's maybe not remembered as much um, by some people because a lot of people remember, you know, Magic and Bird and then thought it was transitioned straight into Michael, but... Realistically, there was you know a two to three year window there that um, the, well the Pistons were um, either at the top or very close to the top yeah. and um, and pushing all these great greats of the game. So yeah, that that bad boy Pistons team as well was sort of just like a team of scrappers because they're showing him and there wasn't really like any big name. You, you know, there wasn't a absolute Hall of Famer, someone who could argue for the top ten. You know, they were they were just hard nut throw you to the floor basketball players. But do you think this doco now solidifies MJ as the greatest of all time? Uh, yeah, look, I think I don't think he needed the doco to, to get that, but I think it maybe will help some people um, understand MJ a bit better. Maybe they weren't uh, as into NBA um, during that era as much as they are now. Um, and... Or maybe their memory has shifted a little bit with, you know, modern day and a little bit more, you know, coverage of the NBA and social media and all those things. But, mm-hmm. yeah, in my mind, um, he's definitely the GOAT. Um, I know LeBron is – I think LeBron's amazing and I think he's, you know, not far off it. But, um, yeah, there's, this this does, I think, for him solidify that he's the GOAT. But um, I think it – probably reminds more people of how great he is, especially when you watch some of the, the highlights that they've been showing through the doco. Yeah, look, there's, there's been a lot of good quotes and a lot of good hot takes that have come from this doco online from people, but this is one from Chauncey Billups, and he says, the thing is about Jordan is he kept so many Hall of Famers from getting rings. He stopped Ewing, Barkley, Malone, Stockton, and he said nobody ate when Jordan played a full season, but everybody's got rings on LeBron's watch, and that's what solidifies the difference between Jordan and LeBron. Yeah, look, I, thought, I can't disagree with that. Like, I'm a massive Charles Barkley fan, and I was yeah, devastated same. when Phoenix lost um, to to the Bulls. Um, but yeah, I think the thing that's true. There was there was some really great teams. Like, um, you know, even you throw Peyton and Kemp in yeah. there, they probably would have had a title if it wasn't for for MJ. So um, yeah, certainly agree with that. Yeah, he won so many rings on other people's home courts as well. It's like. You see the uh, the the jazz players when when they hit that shot, and they turn around and they see Jordan jumping everywhere, and you just see how pissed off they were that he won it on their court. So, yeah, you know, he he really did take take that team and just really shit on everyone's career. Yeah, well, I, f- I forgot as I was watching some of the highlights, and um, I forgot how many times he had actually finished a series off on the opposition's home yeah. court. Like, he obviously finished off Phoenix on their home court. Yep. Um, he finished off the Lakers on theirs um, in that first title run. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then I think he did it to Seattle and Utah. So, yeah. in four out of the six, I think they won on, they finished the series off on the opposition's home court, which, um, 
yeah, it just adds to adds to the legacy. I think it's heartbreaking, isn't it? Yeah. So, well, as a Barkley fan, it definitely was. Yeah, Charles Barkley was the the first jersey that I had. Do you remember your first jersey? I imagine it would have been Wilt Chamberlain. That was around when you were born, wasn't it? Yeah, (laughs) my first jersey was yeah made of wood. Um, The uh, my first jersey was actually a um, a Vince Carter North Carolina jersey. Oh, brilliant. So I was working back in the day at the Nike factory store way back when, and we used to get some pretty cool samples come through. Um, and, uh, yeah, Vince Carter, North Carolina was my, my first uh, jersey that I that I grabbed. Yeah, mum bought, mum bought me a uh, Charles Barkley Phoenix jersey. I think it would, have been, it would have been around my eighth birthday, which would have been 94. So, yeah, they probably just lost the title, and then mum decided to troll me with it, so... <laughs> well played mum Yeah I know uh, We had a bit of a discussion the other night as well Keeping on to the basketball about the Sydney Kings uh, I believe yep. the Kings are your number one sporting team Am I wrong in saying that? No you are 100% correct They're the the, the the one team that I am a fully passionate Rostered on diehard mm-hmm. uh, fan for Although I love a range of sports and and got a soft spot for a range of teams, but yeah, definitely Sydney Kings is uh, number one. And what got what got your love into the Kings? Look, I, I love basketball when I was a kid, straight from the get go, and um, and uh, yeah, I think it was just an easy sport for for my mum to take me to when I was a kid. I, I remember going to the State Sports Centre at Homebush, um, and um, this would have been I think eighty nine. Um, and uh, watching Steve Carfino and the Dalton brothers, um, you know, play. Um, and, yeah, from then on, um, yeah, it was something that my mum and I um, used to enjoy together. She really loved the sport as well. We, we were season ticket holders for probably 15 years, I think. And, um, yeah, and and, uh, and then, you know, really enjoyed going through the ups and downs with the with the Sydney Kings. So, um, yeah. Look, there were a lot of downs. There were a lot of downs being a Kings fan back then. The the Violet Crumbles. Um, yes. Yeah, like we, we I mean we used to get some really good imports, just couldn't couldn't finish our dinner. So um the two thousand and three title sweeping the Wildcats, what was that like for you? Yeah, look, it was awesome. Like I think that season, um it was, you know, a pretty special season. Brian Gorgian, you know, made a big impact on the team and um and I think we, we we just had just a roster that had a feeling about it, and I think you know through that it was it wasn't just that title for me that was special. I think you know some of the subsequent titles we actually got to see the win on our home court was mm-hmm. like you know probably have greater memories and um, and um, and then on top of that, like we had that you know period where we won three titles in a row, and um, and you know we actually probably could have won four or five because we were yeah in the finals the next two out of the next three years just the melbourne tigers were too good so um there was just that six-year window brian gorgian um you know matt nielsen was there for the bulk of it um jason smith for the bulk of it and then they just kept finding the right imports um to plug the gaps and um yeah some some great memories during that time and some some amazing games um you know, I still think the Entertainment Centre was one of the best basketball venues 
um, in the country. So um, shame it's not there anymore, but it was it certainly had an amazing atmosphere when it was packed and rocky. Yeah, the, the only two stadiums that I haven't been to are Adelaide and uh, Townsville. And you're right, the Entertainment Centre just has something else about it. The old, the worst one I ever went to was the Gold Coast when they were the Gold Coast Blaze. I don't know if you ever went up to the Entertainment oh, no. Centre out there. That was a horrific, like you were, you were so far away from the court. It didn't matter if you had courtside seats, you were still looking at ants. It was a terrible venue. I'll tell you a venue that was interesting was the the old glass house for the North Melbourne Giants. Was mm-hmm. a, um, it was almost like, you know, it felt like a, a suburban basketball stadium. Um, you know, it felt like they just put an extra level on, you know, Sutherland Basketball Stadium and, and some stand, um, some seating in it. So um, it was a it was a real, you know, gym. It had a good vibe and a good atmosphere, but it, it certainly wasn't, you know, comfortable to sit and watch a game. Uh, what was your favourite Sydney Kings team that you you've seen? Oh, as a team. Um, I don't know if I could pick a team because certainly, um, you know, there's there's players that really jump out throughout the years. Um, one of my favourite teams of all time to watch, and even though they weren't great, was this would have been in the early 2000s. We had, they called it the Lethal Weapon Backcourt. They had Shane Heal and um, Isaac Burton uh, was the import. And between those two guys, they just um, were, were scoring machines. Um, Ice was, I think, you know, in the top few in steals for the league. Um, we, we weren't quite ready to win a title then, but um, that was, was certainly a really fun team to watch. So, um, and then I think after that, um, the year we had where we beat West Sydney in the finals um, and we had Evie Arar, um and some of the things he did, um, you know, to, to win some big games for us um, certainly stick in the mind. I tell you the uh, the the year we had Ebiurah, uh, Jason Smith tore his ACL that season, and yes. we replaced him with the import Chris Carrawell. Yes, I yep. watched uh, I watched two of the I watched game four and game five uh, the other night um, on Facebook. The Sydney Kings aired game four and game five. Man, that guy could play. Couldn't hit a free throw, but his his jump shot was just pure. Yeah, there was. It's interesting. I was sort of. Um, they were showing, they've been showing some old games on, um, NBL's been streaming a few yep. and, um, and it's been interesting during that period, we, we had some interesting imports that, you know, were a little bit, not quite your sort of standard superstar import, but mm-hmm. certainly fit into the Gorgian system and the Gorgian, um, structure of the team. You know, there was, I don't know if you remember, I think it was our last title, well, last time in the finals where we lost to Melbourne, we had Dante Draper. Yep. I remember him. Oh, shit. Just some technical difficulties. Hey, yeah, just some technical difficulties there. We lost you for about ten seconds. We're talking oh, about Dante. Sorry. We're talking about Dante Draper. Yeah, Dante Draper and um, Isaiah Victor yep. um, seem to, you know, both of them um, fit in um, to the team pretty well. Um, and, you know, and some of the other imports, you know, you had Roland Roberts, yep. you had who was you know, a beast, and um, 
Thalo Green was another one. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there was some there's some interesting imports, but maybe not ones that you 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 remember off you know face value, but um, certainly ones that uh, were exciting to watch at the time. Yeah, Roland Roberts, man, he was a six foot four truck at centre. Yeah, he was he was a beast. I loved watching him, but was devastated when he injured himself uh, in the dump comp one year because I think that. Um, potentially cost us a title so yeah he he used to be able to stop chris anstey and anstey had like nine inches on him in height easily yeah and yeah he, he had the athleticism he was sort of i don't know the best way to describe him he was sort of a, he was charles you know, barkley yeah yeah he was a young charles barkley yeah just and, just know, without the jump shot very athletic yeah yeah yes yeah, true um, so you mentioned something else before, which has brought a tear to my eye, but you mentioned Sutherland basketball. You and I both play together. We've, uh, our, our competition has been shut down since March. Um, doesn't sound like much, but are you missing playing? Yeah, I am. Um, I don't think my knees are, um, cause they're feeling amazing. Yeah. Um, but, um, I think, you know, overall certainly miss that competitive aspect. Um, you know, um, hanging out with the, the guys um, and um, and being pushed, you know, I think that competitive side of things pushes you a little bit harder from a fitness standpoint as yeah. well and keeps you motivated. So um, definitely missing it. I've played basketball for, you know, well over 20 years now and, um, and this is probably the longest I've gone without a game. So um, itching to get back into it, but um, I'm sure we'll be back soon. Yeah, I, look, I've I've had some pretty bad injuries before, but this is the the longest, I guess, uh, time away from basketball that has been forced, um, and it sucks. And it sucks that we were so far ahead of the pack as well um, that we're probably going to get a cheap Perth Wildcats title out of this. But um, such is life. Um, yes, I mean we got we got a great side except for Dave. So everyone in our side's awesome except Dave. Um, yeah, well, Dave leads the league in fouls, I think. So, yeah, um, at least he contributes. I mean, he he leads he leads our WhatsApp group in trash talk for someone who who really can't <laughs> play basketball. <laughs> before That's very true. Before we get onto some footy talk, uh, yeah, I'm going to ask you what's isolation been like with a pregnant wife? Yeah, look, I'd I'd love to say it's um you know the typical thing that's been a nightmare and that you know. All that sort of stuff. I think apart from the fact that she can't have a drink with me, um, <laughs> it's actually been pretty cruisy. Um, I think uh, she's left me to my own devices on the on the weekends a little bit. I've, I've, I've sort of got stuck into betting on the horses a little bit lately, which I, don't, I haven't normally done. But I think it's um, it's a bit. I think she's okay with the fact that it's cheaper than me going to the pubs. So um, yeah, overall, it's been pretty good. That's fair. Now, before, as I said, we're going we're gonna to talk some footy soon, but I did have uh, our friend Rich Ossington on here a couple of weeks ago, and he talked some serious trash about you and your Xbox game online. He said that you don't beat him in rugby league. Can you settle the score here? What is the real, what, what, what's real and what isn't? Look, he's, he's correct. He's, uh, he's been consistently beating me at Rugby League Life 4 on the Xbox, okay. so that is true. I think the fact that he's one of the, the wealthiest people in the Shire yeah. um, may have something to do with it. I don't know how he's done it, but it appears he's paid off the refs in-game because he's 100% offside on every fourth or fifth tackle and I can never get a kick away. So um, there's something to it, but 
Um, I'm yet to work out exactly how he's been able to to pay off the refs in the game. Are, are you saying that Richie is like the Nick Politis of Xbox Rugby League? That is a very fair comparison, I think. Perfect. I think it's very fair. Perfect. We'll let him know about this now. So let's talk footy. Uh, yep. I've known you for six years. Is it six? No, it's eight years. I've, I've known you for eight years. Yep. And I can never get it right on who you follow. Now, I always thought you were a West Tigers fan. I'm gonna yeah, let no. you. I'm gonna let you set the record straight here. Well, look, it's been a bit of like I think my my footy journey's been a bit of a weird journey and a different one. I think because as a kid, I was a Rabbitohs fan. Um, again, around that eighty nine ninety, I loved um, you know Phil Blake and Mario Fennick and those guys. But mm-hmm. you know, basketball was always my true passion when it came to sports. So. Um, even though I, you know, followed the rabbits when they got kicked out of the comp, I was a bit, you know, didn't know what to do. And you know, I think with um, basketball, a lot of the time you're drawn to players rather than teams. Yep. Um, and so for that reason, I started to follow players a little bit more. I was drawn to the Broncos because I love like Sailor and, and Takiri and Talis. And um, I think around that time, I, you know. Um, was a pretty decent fan of uh, Ricky Stewart as well. He was probably a touch earlier than that. but um, So I sort of gravitated to the Broncos but wasn't a really diehard fan. And then over the years, I've just more followed the sport and, um, you know, got wrapped up in Supercoach and Moneyball and those sort of things. Mm-hmm. Um, it's probably been confusing for some people because sometimes, I'm, you know, there was times I was cheering for the Tigers because I was a big Benji Marshall fan and other times, you know... Um, I was cheering for the Sharks because I love Valentine Holmes. So, like, there was just, you know, different things that happened. Um, but I think uh, now, like, my wife is a big Sharks fan. All my friends, you know, obviously including yourself are big Sharks fans. And, and we've just bought a house that's, you know, five minutes walk from the stadium. So um, with a new baby on the way, I think I'm, I've got little choice but to uh, to jump on the Sharks train and, and – uh, um, and start cheering from them moving forward. I think. Yeah, like like myself, you you weren't born and raised in the Shire. You were raised at Correct. North Shore. Is that right, North Shore? Yeah, yep, yeah, yeah, yep. So I mean, you don't you don't really have that, uh, you know, culture and attachment ingrained to you. I I became a Sharks fan when I was eight, but that was a victim of circumstance. Uh, it was either that or my uncle was going to hit me over the head with a slipper. So. Um, it's a little bit different our journey, but I was going to mention that how hard has it been for you in the time that you've been with your wife to have not jumped on the Sharks bandwagon considering every second weekend she was on a road trip? Yeah, look, I think um, yeah, it's been difficult. I think, you know, combining with her love of the Sharks and, and, and you know, yourself and, and the rest of our mates that are all um, diehard fans, um, it's been you know, very tempting. Um, and I think, um, you know, we've, we've got a little baby on the way um, and um, who's definitely going to be a Sharks fan, um, whether I like it or not. Mm-hmm. And um, so I think it's uh, it's probably fair that I, you know, jump on that train. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I certainly really like watching the games and, um, and going to a lot of the games with you guys, um, I'm, I'm really like I've always loved being a Wade Graham fan as well so I think he's a, an amazing player um, and I, I'm liking the young forwards like Williams and Ueli coming through so um, and Rudolph as well I think um, this year was, was 
was going to be a big part of things and probably still will depending on what happens but um yeah i I really like the team they're starting to put together and and the fact that there's some youth coming through so i think it's going to be a lot easier to uh to cheer them on moving forward we had toby rudolph on our podcast last night so i'll send you a link to that afterwards you can hear what he had to say about the season Um, yeah very good but there was one thing brett that you and i could continuously bond with whether you're a sharks fan or not we yep. both had a dislike for Paul Gallon. Correct. Yeah. Yes, I'm. I'm, was, I'm yeah. one of. I'm one of the rare breed sharks fans that didn't like Gallon. Uh, you're one of the outsiders who definitely didn't like Gallon, and that was something you and I always, always uh, agreed on in that sense. Yeah, and look, I think it's interesting. I don't know what it is because you know, Mario Fennick was probably one of my favourite players growing up, and you know, hard nosed player, um, tough, um, you know pretty uncompromising player in his own right mm-hmm. and you know and and, and Gallon has all those you know qualities and that's what I'm sure a lot of people love about him but yeah this I don't know just couldn't really um couldn't really get on the the, the Gallon train I think so um or the G train so um it, it, it may it may have been the thing that sort of prevented me jumping full on into sharks but um now that he's retired then i think it makes it a little bit easier for me to to cheer him on look i will say this i did love him when he lifted that trophy i will that's that's probably one of the only times in the however long he's been there i did love him but you didn't come to the grand final uh did you no, no, I didn't. Um, were you on our bandwagon that night, or were you trolling Haley and were you going for the storm? No, look, I think I had my a few um, bets each way, depending on who I had my money on for first try scorer, etc. So, um, I think I was a bit of fence sitting there because I think I had a little bit of money on the storm that night, mm-hmm. um, but I also. I think deep down really wanted the sharks to win because I know how much it meant for for my wife and um and uh, and for for all my mates like yourself and Richie. Yeah, look, I I, I don't know what it would have been like in your in your case if uh, if she had come home and we had lost. I don't, you know, you yeah, true. Life would have been hard. I'll say that. Probably better for my own safety that we won. Yeah, because look, we won the comp and my life was still hard, so I can only imagine what it would have been like if you had lost as an outsider. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so rugby league coming back, are you excited for that? It means Moneyball's coming back, Supercoach will be coming back. Will you have a drawn interest to, to the game then? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like I'm, I'm, I, I love everything about rugby league. Like I love um, all the, you know, NRL 360 and everything that goes with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, and Super Coach, I get get right into that. Um, I think Moneyball might be still taking a little bit of a break, but there's there's other options there um, with a few other companies. So um, yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to to the season. I'm, I'm looking forward to how teams respond and come back. Um, after the break, and um, and I think it was, in my mind, going to be a pretty wide open comp. So, yeah. um, you know, I think there's maybe you know only one or two teams that you might say don't really have a, too much of a shot. But I, th- I thought that the vast majority of teams were looking like, um, depending on injuries and how they get on a roll, etc., that they would uh, you know be in with a chance. So. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, definitely looking forward to it. You have you have a look at the Sharks. They played the 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 Rabbitohs away and the Storm um, in the two opening rounds, and both those sides were top four teams the year before. And Cronulla have gone through a bit of a roster overhaul. No Paul Gallon, 
and we find ourselves 0-2, but with a, a four and against of negative six. So it puts us in a pretty good stand. If we can come out, you know, win round three and round four, you know, you've got to, you've got to say that the finals aren't dead and buried, but another couple of losses will probably end the season early for us. A um, couple of players this week have been found breaking the isolation rules pretty badly and then lying about it. What have you taken away from that? Uh, look, I think it's um, it's easy to jump on the whole, you know, NRL players uh, uh, you know, do some silly things um, as they have over the years, but you see that from a lot of different sporting codes, right? There's been a couple of Fremantle Dockers players today done for the same thing as Nathan Cleary. So, um, look, I think it's not smart. Um, I think, you know, if for people like you, me, and the average bloke on the street who'd die to be getting paid a lot of money to play sport, they you know, find it hard to understand how you can't be more disciplined. Yeah. Um, and especially when they're so disciplined with, you know, what they have to put their bodies through in pre-season, et cetera. So I know if I um, was at risk of losing my income, um, I would be doing everything in my power to make sure that didn't happen. So um, it's disappointing, but... Hopefully, um, there's the right message has been sent now that the rest of them get the message and, uh, and don't jeopardise what we all want to see, which is the footy get back underway. Yeah, look, it's it just shows the difference in the media and, and how the media portray games as well because a lot of the media in Australia shit on the NRL just for something to do. But you take it over to the Premier League and when the lockdown laws came over there, Jack Grealish, who is a, you know, he's, he's a very good midfielder, plays for Aston Villa, uh, he came out and put something on Twitter that said, please, everybody, stay inside. We want the country on lockdown. We want to flatten this curve, blah, blah, blah. 12 hours later, Jack Grealish totals his car because he's pissed and he's been at a party. And yeah. he did hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of damage on the streets. He came out and he actually gave a proper apology. Um, and it wasn't a scripted apology. It was a genuine apology. He copped his fine. He copped it on the chin. You haven't really heard anything from the EPL players since then. But we've had two separate incidents with Latrell Mitchell and Addo Carr and Tyron Roberts-Davies out on a farm. And then you've had Nathan Cleary and Tyron May with girls in their apartment. And it seems like their apologies have been full of shit. Um, they've come out, you know, one group has come out and said cultural and spiritual. And the other one's come out and said they were only there for five minutes. But then there's all TikTok videos coming out. So do you think they're just trying to think that they're above the law? Or do you think it's just a general naivety and, and they'll get over it? I think it's um, the, the the latter. I think it's that naivety, and um, I, don't, I don't think you know. I don't know how much media training rugby league players go through, or or what type of advice they get. But surely it's it's a lot better to just lay your cards on the table and say I stuffed up mm-hmm. um, than these sort of you know bullshit excuses. So um, yeah, I think it's definitely the latter. I think they um, there's a I think. The public in general understand that everybody in life makes mistakes, and if you you step forward, own up to it, and um, and and say the, the the right things, not the scripted things, then you know people are more forgiving. And unfortunately, too many times, from the NRL's perspective, or from players that have made mistakes, that it feels like I don't know the clubs telling them what to say, or maybe their managers telling them what to say, and it's not always doesn't come across as sincere. Now, I'm going to ask you a question here. Let's let's put a hypothetical scenario in because that's really all we can do in this scenario. But you you and I both play for the Sydney Kings. Uh, We're both, you know, in our our early 20s. We're both single. 
We've got our apartment full of girls. Are you going to put pictures up on social media? No. <laughs> Look, if that's, if that's going to happen, it's like, you know, take phones off people at the door. Yeah. Like, um, you know, uh, yeah, it baffles me. I understand people are going to break the rules. That's human nature. Yeah. Um, but surely if you're going to do that, which you shouldn't, like, you know, this is a pretty serious time and it's, you know, life and death for a lot of people. But, yeah. um, you know, if you are, just be at least a little bit smart about it, right? Yeah, I mean, you're not a big social media person anyway. So I, I know that you're not going to put too much on there. But, you know, as I said, like, you see the picture of the of Latrell Mitchell and, and Addo Carr and Tyron Roberts-Davis. They're actually arm-in-arm arm with people around a fire, which is a big no-no. And then you've got six girls sitting on Nathan Cleary while Tyron May takes a photo. Like, what what is the purpose of putting everything on? Because once it's on the internet, it's there. It's done. Someone's taking a screen yeah. grab. You might only have it up for five minutes. But that five minutes, it has gone 100,000 views somewhere. And the funny thing is, I was initially like a little bit, I don't know, um, understanding of Nathan Cleary last night when it was just a single photo and there's some girls jumping on it. I'm like, oh, maybe that, you know, it could be what he said it was. Mm. Um, and then the TikTok videos come out today and I'm like, mate, like seriously, like mm. you, you knew these videos were out there and um, – and you didn't mention them in last night's piece, and you said the people were only at your house for ten minutes, but that's clearly not the case. So, um, yeah, it just it comes down to that sincerity of the apology piece again. It's yeah. just, uh, yeah, not the smartest way to go about it. Like he said, he said that he didn't know the photo had been taken, but what about the choreographed dance? Like that? Yeah, exactly. That, you know, yeah. it's not it's not as if he just walked in the background of a choreographed dance. He was actually the main <laughs> fucking focal point of this dance. So, yeah, it wasn't a flash mob. So yeah, um, yeah so it's uh, yeah, I don't know. It's head scratching. I, I think you know the the NRL came out and said today that they were potentially going back to training next Monday, but now next Monday is going to be all the clubs hooked up to a link to describe and discuss how and what the next protocols are to get this going forward, and that's obviously going to be. Don't go to farms. Don't let people in your house. Stick to, stick to the, you know, and, and the, the worst part about this as well, and, and we even jokingly said it last night, but the restrictions are getting lifted a little bit on Friday. You can already you can already tell in Peter Volandi's voice that he's cringing because he knows what's coming next. There's going to be another wave. Someone else is going to get busted. Yeah, well, and I think the biggest thing that um, they need to take into account is that, like, one player gets it. That's that yeah. could potentially wipe out a team for 14 days, yeah. right? Yeah. So um, it's not just about, you know, following the rules and not getting a fine or, um, or anything like that. It's the fact that, you know, one player in a team gets it that's potentially been training with other team members, then that could just put a team out for two weeks. And what does that do to the timelines? The game's already running on some pretty tight timelines or trying to or mm -hmm. planning to. So, um, yeah, I, I think there's uh, – they need to be thinking about that bigger picture piece a lot more. Yeah, ex exactly. And, look, all, all all these players need to do is go on Pepe Reina's Twitter timeline and read – his thread of when he contracted the coronavirus and how scary it was for him. He said for 25 minutes in an hour, he couldn't breathe. Like that, That's it's, crazy. Yeah, it's, you know, and he, these guys are just, you know, think like taking the piss out of it. But 
all, all you need to do is just read up or you know see see what people have said about it and it's it's nothing to joke with so it's it's yeah it's pissed a pissed a few people off so i i mean i, I I had Andrew Feeder or someone like that being a dollar fifty to be the first ones to do it, but I'm 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 quite glad it hasn't been anyone from Cronulla at the moment. <laughs> been safe so far. Yeah, I, I I will say this, you know, we mentioned Peter Volandis and and whatever. That is the most that is the most undesirable job on the planet. Like people turn around and say it would be cool to be the CEO of the NRL, but imagine at ten o'clock at night your phone rings. You know, you, you don't you yeah. don't want to pick that you don't want to pick that call up. Yeah, it's not going to be good news, is it? No. Um, so we've said that now that the restrictions are lifting on this. Um, what's in the future for you, Brett? What what's what's happening for you? Have you got a return to your office date? Have you got a return to normal life date? When do you actually move, by the way? So we've we've probably got um, about another month till we move. Mm-hmm. Um, so at the moment, everything yeah. Um, Work will take care of itself and and um, and get back to normal when it for me when it does and, and and not too much concern there but everything else is focused around moving house and um, you know so about a month till we move and a, and about another month after that when baby's due so decided to be super smart and do two of the most stressful things you can yep uh, in the in the space of two months during a a pandemic so. Um, clearly, you know, smart moves by me, but, um, yeah, that's everything that's going to take up a bit of time, um, between now and when, when baby's due. Cool. So I've got a question for you. Uh, there are a set of twins born in America and one's name was COVID and the other one's name was Corona. Have you discussed either of those names with Haley? Look, I do, I don't mind a Corona, um, so, um, but yeah, no, that I don't think that's going to happen. Even if I wanted it to, I'd have uh, Buckley's and none of making that happen. I think so. Okay. Um, I don't know why you do that to your kid. To be fair, but um, yeah, nah, not happening. I don't think. Right? Have we got an inside scoop on this podcast? Do you know what you're having yet, and will you share it with us? Um, I don't know what we're having, um, so I can't share with you. So it's going to be just as much a surprise for me as um, everybody else. So no scoop here, unfortunately. Right. And last question for you. It was a question that came in last night for Toby Rudolph. But it's just it's such a good question that we've got to ask it for you now. And it's, it's really relevant for you because you, be, you were one of those toilet paper hoarders, and I'm going to out you for that. Um, so the question is would you rather every single shirt that you own when it goes on your body be slightly itchy or you can only wipe with one ply for the rest of your life well i think i'd go i'll go one ply mate you can always have a shower if you need to so good question um yeah no i'm I'm, uh I, i couldn't do an itchy shirt can't do that toby rudolph said you can always fold one ply yeah well that's yeah uh, than me. Another question that we always have to ask, it comes from one of our friends, Habib. If you had the choice to steal a zoo animal, what would it be and how would you do it? Oh, if I had a choice to steal a zoo animal. Um, like ideally, I'd, well, and, and this is not um, because of the football, but I, I'm, I love sharks as an animal. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that would be very hard to steal. Um I think I'd probably try and steal a, you know, a chimpanzee or a monkey because I think you could hang out with it. Um, it'd be probably pretty easy to, 
to to steal. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe just you know chuck a baseball cap and a you know and a jacket on it and and walk out in Michael Jackson style. So um, yeah, that'd probably be my go-to. Like you know, you'd obviously love to have a tiger or something like that, but knowing me, I'd probably get eaten in the first day. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that probably would be your luck. Look. Uh, apart from The Last Dance, have you got anything to plug? Any good shows on Netflix that you've watched? Have you watched Tiger King? No, I haven't watched Tiger King. Um, I'm one of those people that when everyone says you have to watch something, then I sort of sometimes you know go, I'm not going to watch it, but I will get around to it. Mm-hmm. Um, no, nothing, nothing in particular. Last Dance has been the in the been the main thing, um, and um, you know, other than that. Um, like I said, trying to get outdoors more. Been playing a bit of tennis with, um, you know, Richie as well. So, um, and he's been beating me at that as well. So, um, going to try and work on my tennis game more. I think he's the most unsporty person ever. You cannot lose to that guy. Yeah, he um, he's it's it's interesting. He um, he's got like the forehand of Boris Becker, but the backhand of Boris Johnson. Right. Um, so as long as I hit to his backhand, I'm in with a chance. But if I put it on his forehand, he's lethal. So um, yeah, it's. Uh, I think again, he, you know, he's due to his extreme wealth. I think he's probably getting some tennis lessons on the side that I don't know about. Oh, absolutely, but, um, absolutely. Yeah. So he's also got a, a real bad tendency, you know, like when you're just changing ends and you can just hand the tennis ball to to the other player. Like mm-hmm. he just he always just rolls it down the other end of the court. I think on purpose to try and wear me out. So um, yeah, he's he's got some sly tactics as well. Oh, some psychological warfare happening there. Yeah, um, I will plug yeah. something for you so, because I absolutely love this. Have you watched Sunderland Till I Die? Uh no, I haven't. It's one that's um. A couple of my friends have recommended, but it's yeah. it's one I've never got around to. Man, season one is like an absolute train wreck, and it's really depressing. Season two, I binge watched yesterday. Man, yeah, it's it's incredible. It's something for you to watch. Uh, I know you're a football fan. You're a Chelsea fan. The Premier League's coming back soon. Liverpool are going to win the title. It's probably eating you and Jono up really well. So I'm happy about that. Um, yes, give Sunderland till I die a crack. Have you got anything you want to plug? You've got your um, Instagram for your baseball, uh, your basketball cards. What's that? Yeah, yeah. So if anyone just wants a bit of a walk down memory lane, so it's retro NBA trading cards. If you just search that uh, on Instagram, um, the picture is a picture of Charles Barkley. Um, so yeah, um, hit us up on that, um, and that's pretty much it. Good luck. Uh, I have you having a baby girl, and she's going to be about seven and a half pounds. That's my guess. Well, you might. Uh, yeah, I, I have no idea on the the sex, but um, baby's apparently tracking big, so you might be right on the seven and a half pounds piece. Boom! I'm happy with that. Look, it's been a pleasure, Brett. Um, and I'll, we will get you back on shortly. We're going to do a face-off between you and Richie. Uh, and Dan and I will host that, so it'll be a lot of fun. Sounds good, mate. Thanks very much for having me. Enjoyed it, and uh, I'll look forward to coming back soon. I'll talk to you soon, mate. Cheers. Cheers, brother. Bye.